it's a beautiful day for baseball. Uh, welcome to the uh, podcast, Stu. Yes. The highlight today from the podcast that you would, you'd have to say was the best play that you saw. The best play? Oh, yeah. um, well, I thought it was uh, early on uh, as the uh, that incredible palmist from uh, yeah. from Joe Biden. I have to tell you that I <laughs> there we had a psychic on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we told you about the uh, Joe Biden dog psychic, uh, and we we found them and we realized what this woman actually does, and she had a a stunning prediction. For early on in the Biden administration, should he uh, actually become president of the United States? We talk about James O'Keefe. We talked about net neutrality a bit in the FCC and where freedom is going. We also had Vernon Jones. Remember, he's the guy uh, who is the Democrat that has stood up against his own party in Georgia. Wow, he had a lot to say to Republicans that needs to be heard. Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room uh, stopped by to talk about the economy, also about the vote, and just a really compelling half hour with Christopher Rufo talking about what does it mean now if Donald Trump does leave office, What's going to happen with critical race theory and all of these government institutions now teaching that all on today's podcast? You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Did you see the testimony yesterday? Um, I think this is uh, Klein cut two. Listen to this. This is a testimony of a truck driver. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, this is from, compelling stuff. Right. That was picking up ballots. Listen. I arrived at about the same time every day. The expediter scans all my seals and barcodes, and they they unload me. But for the first time, or but... Or what? But from the time I first arrived in Harrisburg from Bethpage, everything got weird. None of that happened. After waiting six hours, I went inside to figure out what's going on. I was told to wait for the transportation supervisor. This was also weird. Sixteen months I've been doing this. I haven't ever talked to the transportation supervisor for the United States Postal Service. Hmm. I talk to an expediter. I come in, I see an expediter, that's who I deal with. If I have an issue, it's the expediter. I don't deal with anyone else but the expediter. I never, never talk to the United States Postal Service's transportation supervisor. Let's make that clear. I have my own transportation supervisor for the company that I work for. He's the one that gives me the details. He's the one that I listen to. I don't listen to this guy. He's the guy that would contact my boss if he needs something ran different. I like that. I like <laughs> I've never that. spoken with That's this transportation point. supervisor from the United States Postal Service. They don't speak to people like me. Hmm. He's a top guy. He's the kind of guy that would speak to my boss, not a trucker like me. The supervisor told me to drive to, uh, told me to drive to Lancaster without being unloaded in Harrisburg. This made no sense to me. I knew the ballots were loaded for Harrisburg, and that if I was to go to Lancaster, they would have to off-unload my ball- or those pallets 
in Lancaster to take off Lancaster stuff to put the ballots back on the trailer to send it back to Harrisburg. Which didn't happen, by the way. Right. The, and it the was whole something, thing disappeared, right? It was, yeah. It was something like 140,000 or 170,000 ballots. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's not like he was just delivering 20 pieces of mail. It was hundreds of thousands of votes, and they're gone. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's found that truck. Nobody found, I mean, and he seems <clears throat> credible. He doesn't seem he does. like he's a GOP operative or anything else. He seems like a truck driver. It mm-hmm. seems like a regular guy. Yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. I, I'd like to know, I mean, if we have a trucker that is listening, tell me about the transportation supervisor. Is he right about that? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure in his own experience he is. Uh, he yeah. certainly sounded. Yeah, I'd like to know what, what, what do they but, do exactly? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what the significance necessarily was of the postal guy coming and talking to him. Yeah, I, I. Other than he had to wait six hours and couldn't offload it, and that's the guy who had yeah. to tell him go take him someplace else. Yeah, I mean, is it? Uh, do we? I mean, he's kind of just alleging weirdness, right? Like this was weird. Well, it was weird that his payload disappeared. Yeah. Too. I mean, that's more than weird. That's like criminal. That's federal offense, right? When people are stealing mail off your off a mail truck, right. that's that's a a crime. So there's one other case that is now going up to the Supreme Court, I think, and they're going to try try to try it. Donald Trump's people are trying to try it. the The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said they're not willing to overturn the will of the people, and so they wouldn't even talk about this. They just dismissed this. But they're taking up to the uh, to the court. Now, the guys who were on the um, Philadelphia court uh, or the Pennsylvania court was a Republican and maybe two Republicans and a uh, Democrat, I think Uh, they were. No, no, no. It was a it was a Bush guy and two Trump uh, people appointees. Mm -hmm. Right. And they said that they won't they won't try this case. And and the case is. That some of the counties allowed you to reconcile these ballots. Curing so, yeah, yeah, the ballots. So they yeah. would cure the ballots. Uh, and the other counties wouldn't. Mm. And so you either have to cure them all or toss those ballots out. It's not enough to uh, overturn the election. Uh, at least we don't think. But it is a constitutional question because yeah. those voters were treated differently which is what, 13, 14th Amendment, um, where you have to have Real equal protection. standing. Yeah, yeah. equal standing mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. Yeah, and when to use the excuse that we're not going to overturn the will of the people, if there was fraud there, it's uh, not the, it's will, not of the, the will of the people. So not, what right. are you talking about? Well, they're not alleging fraud in that case, right? They're saying, not that particular case. So but the, the, the Secretary of State came and said, you can have basically it was left a it constitutional open. item. They left it open to yeah. the local people to right. if they wanted to have people curing their ballots or not. Some counties did it. Some counties didn't. And the, the, the case is that, well, they all should have been able to do it. It's I don't know if the right. First of all, there's not a lot of people that cure ballots. It's a very it's a very mm-hmm. rare thing. Uh, it's not particularly widespread. It's like 12,000 or 20,000. Yeah. Like that um, across the entire state. Uh, state. Um, but. You know, I don't know if the right thing to do would be to throw out all, all, every vote. You know, I that, wouldn't either. Yeah. I wouldn't think that's. I, it's but part, I mean, it is. But you know, still, the, the, I, this is. We have to be very careful on what yeah. we're doing. The one thing that's mm-hmm. not going to happen is after all of this is solved, 
we go in and we get rid of these voting machines and we get something that is using like blockchain or something like that. that's never going to happen. Uh, we're never going to get rid of the the ballots that are just sent out by states. That's never going to happen. And those are the things that should happen. Even if, if Biden wins, Biden should be the guy saying, look, we, we have got to have some yeah. federal standards. States run this, but we have to have some federal standards you know, when it says one side is going to overlook, it means they're side by side. OK, you can't put them, you know, into the nosebleed seats. They have to be side by side and be able to discuss the ballots as they're going. You know, we should put some safeguards in here so you don't have even the question anymore. Yeah, it's so tough. I mean, I, I, I sometimes like we, we had Barry Loudermilk on from uh, Georgia and I was actually amazed at how many checks we did have i yeah i was surprised because yeah, yeah. they and he was describing the system that he helped implement in mm-hmm. georgia which was to have uh when you vote you get a paper ballot spit out that says your vote on it you check it yourself mm-hmm. that's what we do uh, here right yeah so like it's uh and that's like i think there's a lot of layers of that that i didn't i didn't know and then and they they point out like in pennsylvania these you know the dominion voting machines were not in philadelphia or pittsburgh uh, they were in 14 counties and trump won those counties mm-hmm. uh 52 of the vote mm-hmm. um so it's t- it's tough because it's just if to, to, mm. to talk about stuff that would overturn the entire election is you'd have to find something really really widespread on this sort of Sidney powell scale where giuliani some of the stuff he's brought up has real evidence and witnesses and things like that but it's hard to find the scale it's a difficult question and the timeline is is working against these guys so yeah, you have december strongly. 9th yeah. december yeah. 9th yeah. is the last t- and that's a week from today call. yeah right the december 14th is when the electors actually cast select their, yeah but, but it's this, december 9th is when they lock it all in right yeah they lock the electors in so you got a week do they rip the knob off too yeah they, lock they, it in lock it in rip, rip the, the knob off <laughs> the election's over uh by the way i asked to hear from truckers uh about the testimony that was given yesterday uh, by a uh, by a guy saying that the transportation supervisor at the post office, he had to wait for this guy. And he said, truckers don't do that. Let me talk to Charles. You're in a you're a truck driver and you're you're on the road now. Yes, I, I am pulled over so I can talk to you. OK, um, I have delivered mail and I'm going to tell you, you do not speak to a supervisor. He is absolutely correct. You go in, you speak to a guy behind the desk the expediter, and the unloaders unload their mail only. They're not allowed to touch anybody else's mail. And I'm going to tell you, the post office is one of the most strict places you have you will ever go. You have to have what's called the bill of lading. On your bill of lading, you will have what is going to each particular stop you're going to. If they do not take that, they have to sign it refused, and then you can go on. If this was not done, there is major, 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 oh, my God, wrong stuff going on. So why would I don't think that that happened? He was just told to take it someplace else. No, you can't do that. It's their mail. They have to take it or refuse it. If they if they refuse it, then he's got to get with his company. And then get instructions from his company. The post office cannot tell you to go and deliver their mail to somewhere else. Hmm. It doesn't work that way. So this part of this would have been uh, marked for Harrisburg. And so when he stopped in Harrisburg, they should have just taken theirs. But instead, they said, take theirs 
to another post office. And that would be another bill. That would be another charge. That would be a whole nother load. Huh. Doesn't work that way. All right. Thank your, you. Your shipper, your receiver cannot at all make that decision for you. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Stay safe, Charles. Uh, I, I will tell you this one. Uh, I, I don't know, but these are the kinds of things that the media should be reporting. And these are the kinds of things that Americans should find the answers to quickly. Because if we have this happening, we have to know it and correct it. I found this this witness very credible yesterday. Very, very credible. I don't know what it all means, but we should look into it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. You know, I, I, I buy a lot of stuff through auction for Mercury One uh, and for the history collection. So I'm on all of these auction, you know, mailing lists. And I just got one from Heritage Auctions uh, for purses. Now, these are not specialty. Pur- these aren't like right. owned by Jackie O or something like that. These are just purses. And they are uh, relatively new, gently used. Not by famous people. And some of them are $80,000 for an (laughs) Hermes purse. Does Hermes, the actual god, come with the purse? (laughs) What the hell is that all about? I mean, I can justify crazy spending like nobody's business. Mm. I cannot. I can't. I honestly, I'm looking for an answer. What is it with this magic purse that makes them between 20 and... And $80,000 a piece, a purse. What? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. You are the guy who has done so much work on exposing critical race theory. Um, and and showing it in our own government, which is really uh, the shadow government kind of stuff that you would never think that the government officials are teaching other government employees that America is bad and systematically racist. But that's exactly what's happening. Uh, Donald Trump did a lot to stop all of that when he found out it's all going back in, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's what they're saying. There was a document that circulated from a consulting firm that was mapping out the potential Biden administration's first hundred days. And the executive order banning critical race theory, unfortunately, was one of the first things uh, they're going to get rid of uh, should he become president. What does that mean? Well, I mean, there's still a, a bit of debate. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a very. Uh, a stressful period. And um, I, I, I always want to get all of the facts, all the information. Um, I, it, t- to me personally, it looks like uh, Biden will become president. It looks like he won. Uh, but I'm always leaving r- room open for new facts and new evidence. But what does it mean if our government uh, now no longer is even hiding it? Uh, and you have an administration that is as radical as some of these people are in this administration. I think they make, I think they make the Obama administration look really kind of calm, uh, quite frankly, in the things that they could do. But introducing critical race theory 
not only in the government agencies, but uh, Janet Yellen said that she is going to make the uh, goal. One of the goals of the uh, Treasury Department to be about equity, to make sure that, you know, we have everybody is even and everybody is getting a piece of this. Yeah. And, you know, the Treasury Department is probably the most ideologically charged agency, which was a huge surprise to me. But I have sources within the Treasury Department that say uh, there is an agency, the Office of Women and Minority Inclusion, uh, that bombards Treasury employees on a daily basis with critical race theory propaganda. Uh, They're always hosting events, including with former uh, fellow travelers of the Communist Party that have denounced the United States during official Treasury Department events. So um, these activists that in the 1960s were uh, in the streets, on the outside, kind of pummeling the institutions uh, that they believed were too conservative, uh, fast forward 50 years and the same kind of people, the same ideas that were the counterculture are now in charge of our institutions and in charge of the federal bureaucracy in particular. Uh, It's a dangerous time and a dangerous moment. And I think we have to be one of the first uh, societies in history to have a government uh, that funds uh, activists uh, that hate the government, hate the state and hate the nation. I I talked to some people over in London a couple of weeks ago and they said, because I've always thought London was crazy. England was crazy. France was even more crazy. And uh, they were talking to me about the reality on the ground over there and saying, you guys are way ahead of us. You're you are you're leading the world in some of this craziness now. Yeah, we absolutely are. No, I, I think what you've seen in, in England and France uh, and other European countries is there's been a kind of populist right that has been able to uh, take power uh, to win votes and then to exercise power. Uh, in a way that would marginalize the opponents and marginalize the most extreme elements. And uh, you see this uh, throughout Europe. And I I think, you know, looking back to the last four years, uh, Trump's presidency, I think, uh, unfortunately, was a bit late to the game. I think these things were kind of hiding in the shadows, uh, were kind of sneaking around, um, and he didn't have uh, the time or wherewithal to really uh, put his foot down. And I think that any future Republican administration, one of the first things they have to do is uh, do a top to bottom, a top to bottom audit of all federal programs, of all uh, federal research grants uh, and get rid of anything that is anti-American in nature. Uh, the president is the chief executive and and frankly should have the, the, the freedom and and flexibility to say, we don't agree with these values. We're shutting it down. Well, it would be you would seem part of the oath to protect and defend uh, the Constitution from any uh, enemies, foreign or domestic. Uh, but I don't think they interpret it that way uh, anymore. Unfortunately, I don't even know if they even actually mean the words or think about the words when they're saying them. You said uh, media, political class, street writers spent the last year ratcheting up social tensions. Uh, you went on to say the ballots are still being counted, but Joe Biden is already declaring he has a mandate on systematic racism and AOC is creating a list of people to purge from public life. Scratch a progressive, find a totalitarian time to push back. Christopher, what do you mean time to push back? How does the average person do that? You know, you have to you have to stand up and speak out. And, and the thing is, is with all of these programs, all of these kind of hyper progressive uh, race based justice programs, 
uh, it's not just being fought in Washington, D.C. It's not just being fought in national elections. Uh, these things have permeated almost every uh, school district and local government in the country, especially in the urban centers. And uh, it's up to people to find out what's happening uh, in their local school districts and their local government and their county governments uh, and actually organize and push back to publicize information, give documents to the press, raise a raise a stink uh, in public meetings, because uh, this is really a fight. And the, the left, uh, unfortunately, is, you know, Pete Buttigieg's old campaign staff established a website and a database to uh, to track every Trump supporter, uh, every Trump attorney, every Trump administration official, uh, and they're going to go around and try to blacklist them from polite society, from jobs, from professorships. Um, conservatives are really being marginalized, and the left um, uh, only understands one thing. The left understands power. It's part of their theory. Uh, in critical race theory, for example, they reduce all kind of positive values uh, to a kind of camouflage for naked power. So uh, this isn't something we can debate intellectually. We actually have to create a ballast or a counterweight uh, that can push back in a form of organized power because uh, that's the only thing is that, that's going to stop them. Do you think you're on that list? Uh, yeah, I probably am on the list, you know, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, I have, uh, fortunately, uh, great, great supporters, uh, great employers, and uh you know, I, I'm a, a man of the political right, so uh, this comes with the territory. It doesn't yeah. actually bother me to be on that kind of list. Um, but I, I think I think of a lot of people that I that I know who are uh, corporate employees or tech employees uh, or or even just uh, you know average citizens that are terrified to speak out. I mean, if you are a conservative Republican, um, just voicing your opinion right now. Uh, is a kind of dangerous act. And uh, I, I feel for all those people, and I, I try to be a voice for them and try to give them courage uh, to stand up for what they believe in. So the only time I've experienced that is when I worked at CNN. Uh, I have been blessed enough to work uh, in companies that you know supported both sides. And since 2000, I've owned my own company. So you know, what am I going to do? Uh, out myself as some sort of hate monger. Um, but I, I can't imagine what it is, is like to work in some of these companies. And it is only going to get worse with the Treasury Department now saying, uh, you know, the, the boardrooms have to have this certain kind of makeup, et cetera, et cetera. They are not going on merit. They are going on gender and race. Uh, and you know, the average person, I know a, a good friend of mine is an architect, and he said he was listening to these, the, you know, his company come out with all these things. He didn't say anything. The guy next to him didn't say anything because they would have been, you know, fired. But So what do they do? Do you just lose your job? Well, one thing that I'm going to be working on uh, this coming year is uh, to actually find some, uh, to establish some case law. So I'm working with some legal partners to try to find a case uh, uh, in corporate or in or in uh, the government, uh, any kind of employer, to establish that a lot of these things are not only kind of distasteful and wrong, but they're actually illegal. They're actually a violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which is kind of de offering demeaning stereotypes of people based on race or sex. So I, I think one thing we can do in the next uh, year or two is uh, create a disincentive for companies to do this. And you could say, hey, this is now actually a legal risk. Uh, doing this could actually be a violation of the law. 
And I think corporations are not doing this out of any great conviction. They're doing this essentially as an insurance policy uh, to prevent activists from lambasting them as racist, capitalist overlords. They're appeasing the activist left on cultural matters to protect their economic interests uh, on financial matters. And, and I think what we have to do is really now raise the cost of doing this, because right now they pay no cost for telling, you know, half or two-thirds of their employees that they're internalized white supremacists. Right. Um, but if we can establish and win a case uh, to, to, to establish new case law that this is actually illegal, uh, I, I think that will change the game in corporations quite, uh, quite rapidly. Are you familiar with The Great Reset? I, I am, you know, the, 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 I've seen the memes. Yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with the Great Reset. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, it, you know, when you look at their own words and even the words of John Kerry, who just last week told the Economic Forum that, you know, as climate czar, he is going to be able to really move this forward. And and they asked uh, if it was if they were expecting too much from a Biden administration on the Great Reset. And he said, no, it's definitely going to happen at a larger scale and more breathtaking than most people really understand that is uh that's a little frightening because <laughs> yeah it is and i think it really underscores the, the extreme importance of winning those two georgia senate races um because uh, if we can create a kind of uh, a, a kind of safety valve or a kind of preventer um in the senate i think that will go a long way uh, towards kind of crushing any large-scale changes. But, I mean, they're always going to hammer away at this stuff, and they believe in it. Um, a lot of these folks, and, and, you know, I went to the, you know, the, the, the schools and, and, and palled around with some of these folks uh, earlier in my life. You know, they're more comfortable in kind of international uh, mm-hmm. elite education events than they are than they would be in Youngstown, Ohio, or Memphis, Tennessee, or Stockton, California. And I think a lot of it is they really have a, just a limited understanding of how Americans live, uh, what Americans value, um, and how life is outside of some kind of prestige global cities. So I, I think these things, you know, everyone is talking a big game during a new administration, but I think as these plans uh, are exposed to the public, as details come forward, uh, you're going to see Americans putting their foot down and say, uh, we don't want this. This isn't consonant with our values, uh, and it has to stop. Christopher Rufo, thank you so much. I'm glad to hear your wife is doing better. Is she over COVID now? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, she had a she had a hell of a battle with COVID and was in the hospital, but now she's home and, and doing a lot better and uh, hopes to get back to uh, normal life uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Good. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. God bless. Na, 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 na.